You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. <laughs> Have a great day, everyone. Now, that was... Man, what David shared was awesome. I uh, really appreciate uh, your vulnerability, David, and... Um, I got I got the opportunity to have lunch with him on Wednesday, I believe it was, and I mean exactly what he shared today was what I walked away with. It was like he's he's going through these trials and this suffering, and yet what I heard come out of his mouth was joy, rejoicing, and just seeing God working. Um, so I I was definitely encouraged and just inspired to uh, to see his heart in all of it, and so thank you, David. Uh, so my name is Dustin Peckman, and my wife Catherine and I, we get to serve in the youth and family ministry here. Yeah. So we got, uh, we got our little ones who are uh, two and a half, four, and five, and then we are spending time with all the way up through our YAMS ministry, which are it's our young adults, our college age. So we're with the youth often, and we love it. Um, I wanted to give you guys a quick... A uh, glimpse into the last few weeks of our life. I'm not. I'm not excellent. I'm not even close to excellent at at posting on social media updates. Catherine is, uh, but I wanted to share a, a few photos. And our clicker this morning has run away from us, so I'm going to be doing the PowerPoint, and Fidel's going to be. You got that? Yeah. So. So this is, uh, you guys, we've, we've announced this a few times, but this is Andy Seberg's baptism. Yeah. And uh, a close-up of Justin Monclero's face. Um, so this was uh, September 20th. It was just so encouraging to see this young man, Andy, uh, walk out into the water with his parents and make the decision to follow Christ uh, it was a great, uh, great time together. And then the, the next morning, there it is. Uh, the next morning, it was our daughter Carrie's fourth birthday. So September 21st, and she got a unicorn outfit for her birthday. Unicorns are in, if you didn't know. And, and then uh, this is our, uh, our family on the first day of school for Carrie. And so it was Pirates Day. So she was wearing a bandana and a an old an old uh, like sleeveless vest of one of the boys that we just cut in half. But that was so Carrie started her second year of preschool, and I don't have a picture of Zeke's first day of kindergarten. But we're actually uh, we're trying out homeschooling this year, and so we are with Classical Conversations, a group that meets in Redondo Beach on Monday mornings from nine to noon, and then the rest of the week, Catherine has been teaching him, and it's it's awesome because it's only about an hour a day, as opposed to spending you know a whole day in school. Um, but it's been awesome so far. On Mondays, a parent has to go with each kid so that they can kind of see the curriculum for the week and then know how to teach. And they sing a lot of songs, a lot of memorization with songs. And so we learn, you know, the new parts of those songs. It's really, really cool. Um, so it's been going well. Uh, next picture is uh, teen ministry. This is at midweek a couple weeks ago. Uh, a Bible discussion that we have in the middle of the week, midweek, uh, and that's in our living room. Very lively group. Uh, it was. It's been a fun time being back together. And then this was. Uh, so I didn't. 
I knew that the Blandons were coming in town soon. I didn't know they'd be here today, but the Blandons are here if you haven't seen them. And so about two weeks ago, I was in Dallas. Every semester, I'm in this master's program, every semester we go to a different city for a week, and that's our seat time because it's a hybrid program. Most of it's done online, but we have to fulfill a seat requirement. So we went to Dallas, so I got to spend a lot of time with Eddie and Joanna, and it was just, it was nourishing for my soul to be with them. <laughs> I love you too. Um, and then there's Martine. Uh, yeah, the cleaning society. <laughs> you knew it was coming. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. That was awesome. Um, so, and I'm going to share a little bit more about Dallas and uh, another um, another time that we had out there. It's it's with uh, it's with about ten to twelve other ministers from the LA area and one from Missouri. So that's our cohort, and so we meet up in these cities and we have weekly discussions online together. So Martine's a part of that as well. And I think that's the last of the pictures. <laughs> Probably for the better. Um, so this is our third week of the Spirit-Filled People, this series that we're doing, going through the book of Acts. And I appreciate something that Brian said, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, where he, he said it really should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because that's really what's going on here, is, is we're seeing the Holy Spirit uh, just empower the disciples in the book of Acts to share boldly, to have courage, to, to share the good news about Jesus. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, the title of the lesson is The Controversial Message. And that's also the first point. And then we'll, the second point is the conflicting responses to that message. And in terms of news, you know, we're talking about the good news of Christ uh, when there's any piece of news, there's opportunity for different responses. Some people might respond really well to that news, and other people, it might not be uh, such great news to them. So I just, uh, I wrote out a few things that might provoke different responses. News that might provoke different responses. We're pregnant. We aren't. We're not pregnant. But we're pregnant. That would be a crazy announcement. When Catherine first announced that to me when she was uh, pregnant with Zeke, uh, I, don't think, I don't think my response was quite what she was hoping for. <laughs> I mean, my, we were three months into our marriage, and I was like, everything that I thought would be the next few years has now suddenly changed. <laughs> so, but I got on board quickly, um, and we, we love our son. Mom, Dad, I got a C. So some parents might be like, C's get degrees, come on. And others might be like, we don't do C's in this family. <laughs> Different responses. Um, I was a little bit premature on this one, but the Dodgers are in the World Series. A little premature, but it'll happen. And we're in the large theater this week. 
mixed, mixed uh, opinions there. Uh, but we're grateful for the facilities that God has given us. So in terms of news um, and, and the gospel, the Bible, sometimes when we open up the Bible or what we hear from other people is, is an untrue message. And some of the things that we hear or some of the things that are evoked in us when we read the Bible are untrue. That this message is weak and timid or the people who follow this message are weak and timid. That it's foolishness, that it's restrictive and controlling and just a bunch of rules and regulations. That it's narrow-minded, that it's actually bad news. And it's only for the perfect or the righteous or the close to perfect. It's, it's just hopeless. And I, I can never, I can never um, measure up to what the Bible presents. It's just hopeless. It's boring. It's miserable. It's not worth it. It's irrelevant. I, I wrote these down because at times I have felt every single one of these. Or I have heard this when I listen to other people talk about uh, the good news or I read it myself. And if this is the message that you're hearing when you open up the Bible or when you think about Christianity, then there's something that is blocking you from hearing the true message. There's something in the way. That could be personal sin. It could be, you know, we're just caught up in a sin that we, you know, like I said, hopelessness. I've been, I've been caught up in, in sins where I'm like, man, I'm never going to be able to get past this. I'm going to be stuck in this muck forever. And so looking at the Bible, I'm like, man, it's just hopeless. I can't live up to that. Sometimes, especially when I was younger, it was just boring and irrelevant. Like, I don't see how this uh, relates to my life. Whatever it is for you, controlling rules and regulations, that is an untrue message. And if that's what you're hearing, then that's bad news. That is bad news. And yet the true message that I want to talk about today, the true message is a message about new life. That's what it's about. And the good news is that Jesus raised from the dead. Amen. That he was resurrected, that he became new. And if you go back and you look at the disciples, the disciples who were following Jesus before he died on the cross, towards the end, when they were leading him to the cross, the disciples scattered. And you get the, you get the, uh, the sense that the life in the individual disciples... And the life in the collective group of disciples was dying with Jesus. They're just, man, where do we go from here? What, everything, we were putting our hope in that. We were, everything, we, we were all in. But now what? He's dead. And so with Jesus, their, their life probably died as well. But Jesus beat death. Amen. He came back to life. And the family of believers were given life again when they saw their teacher, their rabbi, but now their Messiah Amen. raised back from the dead. Yep. You know, death is a way and was a way of shutting someone up, stopping them dead in their tracks, halting all progress and productivity that they were trying to accomplish. It was a way of stopping someone. But death didn't stop Jesus. And for those who align their lives with Christ, death will not stop you either. 
You have life in Christ because he defeated death. Let's, let's look at Acts 2 right now. So we're going to be in the book of Acts for our entire time this morning. Acts chapter 2. That's right. Okay, Acts 2, 22 through 24. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Skip down to 32. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. We'll stop there. Uh, I included some of the verse there. God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on, on him. This is something entirely new. We haven't seen this before, and we haven't seen it since. Someone resurrecting from the dead. And the kingdom of God, Brian has mentioned this several times, the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. It's not like the kingdom of the world. Because the kingdom of the world, you look around, you look at the world climate, the kingdom of the world keeps hurting people. The kingdom of the world keeps killing people. The kingdom of the world keeps forgetting people and not listening to people. That's the kingdom of the world, and that's not the kingdom of God. But under God's reign, in his kingdom, there is healing. There's empowering. There's listening to. There's loving. And there is giving life to all people. You look at your life. You look at the testimonies of the people in this church. The kingdom of God is here. And the good news about Jesus is here as well. And so we have this man, Jesus, who was a teacher. And he, he performed amazing miracles. And he spoke with courage and authority. Yeah. And those are all amazing things. And often we look at those stories and we're like, wow, Jesus was awesome. But those were only hints. Those were only like pointing to the fact that he is the Messiah. Right. They didn't establish him as the Messiah. But when he went into a tomb dead for three days and rose back to life, that sealed the deal that he is the Messiah. He's the Lord. And he is the master of all, the savior of all. He's the conqueror of death and the author of life. And I want you to think for a sec, whatever you came in to this day with, the, the mentality, the message that you've heard, Considering this, why is this good news to you? Why is this good news? If it hasn't been good news, think, how could it be good news to you in this moment? I want to look at um, other aspects of the true message, the good news, the kingdom of God. 
This is a message of power and salvation, of courage and healing, transformation and restoration, strength, boldness, wisdom, freedom, joy, hope, purpose, light, repentance, suffering, and it's a message for the imperfect. It's a message for the hurting. It's a message for those who are stuck in the muck of their circumstances or their sin or their sadness, whatever it may be. This is a message for the imperfect. And you think about some of these. Some of these are really exciting. Man, power, strength, boldness. But then you look at transformation. You look at repentance and suffering. Those aren't, those aren't as exciting. And sometimes we can take a fractured message. We can piece out the message of God like a cafeteria we're like, ah, oh, I'll take that jello. I'll take that Salisbury steak, wherever you go to the cafeteria. Um, I'm trying to channel my like elementary school food. Um, and then and then you're like, but ah, I won't take that. I won't take the transformation or the suffering. Nope, if that comes anywhere near me, then this isn't the true message or this isn't the one I signed up for. And, you know, I think about transformation. That takes discipline. It takes effort on our part. God is transforming us, but we have to do something as well. I was thinking about Rick Huerta. Man, he's been killing it at the gym. And there has been transformation. But if you go ask him if that's been easy or if it just came natural or if he just woke up and like, eh, I feel like going to the gym today. I'm sure he'd say, no, no, no. It took hard work. It was hard work. It took effort. There was suffering involved. But then there was transformation. And that is the good news. Amen. I wanted to read, with, uh, read to you some of, these, uh, some of the instances of disciples, these disciples in Acts and how they're presenting the good news. Sometimes I, sometimes I can feel like if I'm, like, if I'm talking to someone um, and I don't know if they have a relationship with God and I'd really love to share something with them, sometimes I don't know where to start. Man, like, what do they, I don't even know where they're at in life. I don't know what they need. I don't know if they just need, like, a friendly hello or if they need a scripture or a prayer. And yet it's so encouraging to see that what the disciples are presenting and proclaiming is the good news about Jesus. The good news about a resurrected life that we can have a new life in Christ. So I want to uh, share that, I mean, they're, they're proclaiming the good news left and right. There it is. My finger worked that time. It says, they never stopped proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. There was an angel who released Peter and John from prison. They had been imprisoned because the Sanhedrin didn't like what they were talking about. And so they were in prison, but an angel came and released them from, from prison. And this is what the angel said to them. Go tell the people the full message, not a fragmented message, the full message of this new life. Amen. With great power, the, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. And that was after they, after they uh, healed this crippled man. He was, uh, he was 40 years old or older. He had been crippled for a long time. Not that 40 is a long time, okay? <laughs> uh, and, 
And so they healed him, and this was their response. This, this was their answer to be like, you know, what power do you have to, to heal this man? Uh, but it's interesting. I'm not going to read that story today. But he's begging for money. This crippled man is begging for money. And they come along and they said, silver and gold we don't have. But what we have, we give to you. And that's the power of God. Because silver and money represent the kingdom of this world. That that would, that would help that man somehow get you know, to a leg up in life, no pun intended. Um, but to get to a better place in life, that money would do that. And that's what we often think. Peter's like, I don't have anything the world has to offer, but I do have something that God has to offer. And he was healed. I want to look at a few more scriptures. When there's news, there's a witness to that news, if it's real news. There's a witness to that news. There's an event... And that marks something new that has happened. And then someone witnesses it and they go share about it. So this is what we see in the scriptures. God has raised this Jesus to life and we are witnesses. We are all witnesses of the fact. You handed Jesus over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be released to you. You killed the author of life and God raised him from the dead. We are witness. We are all witnesses of this. The God of our father raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him. Uh, God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey. Um, You know, Brian mentioned this uh, two weeks ago when he talked about waiting and witnessing. Although we were not there the day that Jesus was crucified and the day that he rose from the dead, We have this news that has been passed on for 2,000 years. Witnesses. But we also see the evidence of a new life in our lives and in our church and in our community. We see that God is doing something, that he is breathing life into circumstances that are dead, into lives that are dead. And so we see the resurrection still playing out in our daily lives. And you know, something, uh, something that that I want to encourage you guys to do. Um, you know, sometimes it can, be, it can be tough to know what God is doing around us yeah. or to hear, God, what, what are you calling me to do? Um, a prayer, a very simple prayer that um, if you guys want to try, go ahead. But God, help me to see what you are up to in my life and in the world around me today. Amen. Very simple. God will answer it. I appreciate uh, Mark Seberg. He um, at, our, at our leaders' retreat, he was walking us through just practices of listening to the Spirit. Amen. Super helpful. Yeah. And I, I'd encourage you to talk to Mark um, and if you'd like to get into that some more and find out those questions. There was, a, there was a circumstance in Dallas when I was there. We were visiting this place called, I think it was called Open Square. It was this homeless uh, it was actually a nonprofit organization that is all about mitigating homelessness in Dallas. And it, from every angle possible, they are trying to get someone back on their feet in a home, in a job, out of, you know, whatever circumstances they're in. Not just like, here's some food, 
but they're really trying to give this person life again. And so we were, we were having this discussion with the, one of the on-site ministers who's actually the son of the dean of our program. And he was sharing with us about this woman who came in 15 years ago. And she was coming in to ask for food. She needed help. She, I think, single mom with, uh, with some kids. And she, she just needed some extra food. And there was a huge line of people who only spoke Spanish. And there was no staff there who really could understand them. So they didn't know what they needed. It was taking a long time to try to figure out what their needs were. And so this woman volunteered. She said, I speak Spanish. I can stay here for the day and just help translate. And then she came back the next day and offered to translate. For 15 years, she kept coming back to translate for her neighbors who needed help. And when he was sharing this, um, it was... It was like all conver- we were we were standing in this circle, and it was like all conversation. Uh, it was just silence to me, and I just heard, I heard, Dustin. There are people out there who are living more like Christ than you are, but don't know the good news about Christ. And you need to find them, and you need to learn from them, and you need to proclaim the good news to them. And it was convicting. God is doing something out there that is, that is uh, apart from us right now, but we want to get involved. We want to participate with what God is doing out there. Amen. The second point, the conflicting responses. In Acts 3, verse 13, let's read this. Uh, verse 13 through 19. So this is the message, and then we're going to look at two responses to this message. So Peter and John are speaking in Solomon's colonnade, just a public area, and people are gathering around listening to this message, and this is what they say. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. We already read that. Let's skip down to... Uh, Let's skip down to 17. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what had been foretold through all the prophets, saying that this Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. So we already read the first part talking about, you know, it was you who disowned Jesus, crucified the Holy One, the Righteous One. So this is the response. We have the Jewish audience who came to listen. And then we have some uh, religious elite, some elders, some teachers of the law who came in and kind of eavesdrops on the situation. And this, these are the responses. The religious elite say uh, they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching Okay, it's too small. Oh, yeah. Wow, that's huge. Oh. <laughs> um, I'll just read from my Bible. I have that out here, too. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put, uh, they put them in jail until the next day. They were disturbed. 
at the message of resurrection. They were disturbed. I mean, think about a time that you would have used that word like, that disturbs me. That's how they felt towards this message about Jesus raising from the dead. And then they throw him in jail. That's what the kingdom of the world does. When there's good news, when there's something good going on, put an end to it. Not all the time. But that's, that's the nature of it. But in the midst of all this, that Jewish audience was still listening. And this is what happened. But many who heard the message believed. And the number of men grew to about 5,000. The last time we heard a number of believers was back in Acts 2. And it said 3,000. So as far as we know, maybe you know, some others came along between these chapters. But 2,000 more people came to believe because of this good news about the, rex- the resurrection. And the Sanhedrin, it was, uh, it was the Jewish uh, like ruling council. And, you know, the Jews, they found themselves on the wrong side of God's kingdom. And so they believed. But the Sanhedrin, they're like, no, our way is better. We need to shut this thing down. And right after this, they, they even acknowledge, they're, they're talking amongst each other, they even acknowledge that the miracle that was performed was outstanding. And they, they even say that Peter and John, we know that he's been, that they've uh, been with Jesus because of their courage and the authority that they spoke with. And, but then they said, but we have to stop this thing. <laughs> let's, look at a, let's look at another message. I mean, it's, it's just a, it's a response of pride, of misunderstanding. That's why it's so important to understand the message so that we can have an appropriate response. Amen. Acts chapter 5. It says in verse 27. So this is, this is after the angel released them from prison. They went back out into the public arenas and they're announcing the good news again. It didn't phase them that they got thrown in jail. They're announcing the good news again, and the Sanhedrin comes and pulls them back in. Uh, Verse 27, having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. That's their response in these these kind of pressured circumstances. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on the cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. These are the responses. Verse 33 The Sanhedrin, when they heard this, they were furious and they wanted to put them to death. This is one where they were disturbed, so they put them in jail. And then they hear it again and their their pride is getting pricked and they're starting to feel guilty. And they're like, no, you're not going to make us feel guilty. This isn't our fault. And so their pride is just welling up, welling up, welling up. They said, we got to stop this thing before. And now they're like, we seriously have to stop this thing. Let's kill him. But this guy, Gamaliel, comes in. And he was a, 
he was like a prominent Jewish teacher in that time. He was actually, uh, Paul was one of his students. Saul, Paul, was one of his students. And so he says, but uh, um, he says in verse, here, I'll just look at the screen. <laughs> leave, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. I mean, that is, that's wisdom. I would say he's still on the wrong side of the kingdom of God, but he's getting closer. And, and he interjects and he actually persuades them. And they're like, okay, we won't kill him. We'll just flog them. So they flog him and then, then they release him. But, he, but he's seen this before. He's like, you know what? If this is of God, you cannot stop it. It will endure forever. If this is not of God, we don't even have to put our hands on it. It will just end. We're 2,000 years later, and it's still going. God's word endures. His good news endures. I want to show you some of the responses of disciples within these circumstances. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. They replied, we must obey God rather than men. Peter and John reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. These are some of their responses in times of uh, persecution and suffering and, uh, and just this pressure from those who could kill them. These are their responses. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word boldly. You have these threats like, oh man, like this is, I mean, we are on the cusp of dying. And they're like, God, give us more boldness. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. There were no needy persons among them. These are their responses to the good news. The disciples, in circumstances that, man, they were, they probably feared their life every day. And that they were rejoicing. Rejoicing that they could suffer like Christ. They were sharing things with each other. Like we do here. We have one mind, one heart. As a church, following the good news, proclaiming the good news. They are forming a new community. A community living under the reign of God for the sake of others. You, you can think, think about this for, for a sec. When we live for ourselves, what happens? When we live to meet our own needs, to be filled up, what happens? Just think about that. And, and the, the contrary, when we live for others, what happens? Yeah. Joy, peace, happiness, love, life, healing. There, I, ha I had a friend who, um, he, was, um, he was a Christian, and, um, and yet he just, he wandered from God. And he came back years later, he was at, I think I've shared this story before, but he was at this uh, rehearsal dinner for his sister's wedding. And a guy was sitting next to him and just kind of hearing his story. And he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, you know, practicing other religions now. And he was just sharing that. And he's like, so, you know, when you were following God, 
how did you love people like Christ? And it just, he was stopped dead in his tracks. He's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he was a teenager, he was a college student. And, and so he's like, I don't, I don't really know how I went out of my way to love people like Christ. And that triggered a, a, a thought that he was like, maybe I never was living like Christ. Maybe I thought I was. And, and now, he's, now he's serving, um, you know, as he's a, I think he's getting his doctorate in China right now. He's a part of one of our churches in China. And, but that one, that one question, how are you loving others like Christ? It totally changed his life. When we live for others, what happens? A few questions, and then I'm going to have Christine Bengard come up, and we're going to have another South Bay story, which I'm excited about. I put the response questions in, your, uh, in the app. I'm going to read them right now. What message have you heard and believed? Was it true or untrue? If it was untrue, what might be the reason? If true, how have you responded? What have you witnessed and heard God do in your life, in the church, and in the community around us? And lastly, what new life have you experienced in Christ, and who will you share it with this week? What new life have you experienced in Christ, and who will you share it with this week? I'm going to invite up Christine Kanani Bengard right now. We're going to have another South Bay story. So let me get. Just over here. Um, so if this is your first time in the last few weeks, we've been hearing from uh, one of our one of the members of the South Bay Church and just kind of uh, stories about their life and um, and different aspects. Last week we heard from Brian and some of the like how he came to follow Jesus and and just the way that he serves in our church now. So I'm excited to be able to interview Christine Kanani Vanguard. <laughs> um, so thanks for doing this. Yeah. Let me turn this off. I almost lost my voice yesterday at the fight. So. Wow. Is everything okay? <laughs> oh no, not my fight. <laughs> I was like, no, I wasn't fighting. Um, so, <clears throat> question for you: How did? Uh, how were you introduced to the South Bay Church? And um, I mean, wh what made you decide to follow Christ? Um, I had to take some notes, sure. just in case. <laughs> Um, so growing up, I knew there was a God because anytime I went somewhere, my mom would say like, may God bless you, well in Spanish, um, and, uh, just holidays, sometimes we would go to church for Christmas, so I knew there was a God, um, but I saw the Bible as a book of rules when I was younger, and I saw it as like, oh, I'll live my life, have fun, <clears throat> sorry, and then I'll just come back when I'm older and like want to raise my kids or whatever. Mm. And um, the older I got, I was very into science and I thought it was either science or God and you had to choose one or the other. Um, and it was further enforced when I went to UCLA and everything is research based there. So in order to present something, you have to have all this re research. Um, so I saw it as, um, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous and shaking. Um, but I just saw it as, uh, um, that 
it was a book that was written a long time ago for those people, and it probably did help a lot of those people to give them hope. But I also saw the church as, or just Christianity and religion in general as um, people that used it to suppress other people, to control them. And all these religions were pretty much the same, and they just had different names for their God. Um, and it wasn't until I actually started researching them and through like apologetics, which I love so much. Um, and when I was at UCLA, I was met um, by a different church and, oh my gosh, I'm still shaking. Um, I was met by a different church, but it was the kind of church where it's like, just pray Jesus into your heart once, like you'll be fine and you're saved and that's it and that's all you need. So I did it because it was a great message. It was like a concert of worship. And I was like, this is great. This is awesome. I feel it. And then a few days later, I went back to like my old life, my good girl syndrome, where I was like, I'm nice to everyone. I don't really say bad words. I'm good. And um, <laughs> so then the more I learned about different religions, because I was really interested in them, um, instead of quoting the Bible out of context, which is what I was doing of being like, oh, well, you know, I only like certain parts of the Bible. So those other parts were for back in the day people because they don't apply to me now. And just the more you learn about it, I mean, it's still a struggle sometimes now where I don't understand something, but there's so many resources. And my mom actually forced me to come to South Bay. And she was like, if you don't want to come, she's like, just come once. If you never come again, because I was going to my old church, but like partying on Saturdays and then Sunday going to church. Um, she's like, just come to this new church. If you never want to come back, I won't bug you. And I was like, okay, fine, just to kind of get her off my back. And I came and it was about missions. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is what I needed. And I chased down Michelle Pelizzeri and she introduced me to Betty. And then I was like, I want to study the Bible. I want to do whatever to join her church. Um, and yeah, it's still a daily struggle, but it's yeah. great to have a support system. That's awesome. Thank you for what you shared. It's, uh, it's obvious that missions and just uh, kind of uh, the rest of the world is on your heart. And the next question, you've, you've been on five different Hope Worldwide trips, right? So Hope Worldwide is a nonprofit organization that, that we partner with. That Throughout the year, they have different volunteer opportunities. Sometimes it's a couple weeks on end or a month. Sometimes it's just day, uh, day service projects. So Christine has been on five different uh, trips all, all around the world. And you know, before you went on those trips, what was it that spurred you on to want to get involved with Hope Worldwide and um, some of those trips? So growing up, um, I grew up very poor and I actually didn't know how poor I was um, until I was an adult. And I was like, um, that's actually not normal. But my mom worked really hard <laughs> as a single mom and um, she was in a very abusive relationship with my biological dad. Um, but she never used the victim card. She always was like, no, you just pick yourself up and you work hard and you move on. And, um, but at the same time, even though we didn't have a lot of money, she always emphasized how important it is to give back. So whether it was to our family in Mexico or the school in Mexico that one of my aunts taught at, she said, if you don't have money, just donate your time. And I feel like from a very young age, that was really emphasized for me. And, um, so I started volunteering when I was 15 at like different, um, like skateboarding events, um, and surfing and everything. And, um, it wasn't until I started going to the orphanages in Mexico that i I've shared this before, but somebody said, I was so excited. I was pumped up. I'm here to volunteer. 
And one of the people told me, if you can't come more than once, then don't. Um, there's other organizations we can uh, match you up with, but we need you to really focus on um, building relationships with the kids, not just a selfie for your Facebook um, with these adorable children, because um, it's they're not a zoo, or it's not a zoo, you don't just come and look at how adorable the kids are and leave. Um, so that really uh, stirred me to wanna take that emphasis and build relationships with people in, in each of the hope trips I've gone on. Thank you for sharing that, that's powerful. Um, so you just you just got back from a trip recently to India, right? Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about what you saw God doing in that place while you were there and what God was doing in your own heart and your own life while you were there? Definitely, and that's where I took the most notes because I had to go back to my notes. Um, and one of the main things that, I mean, every site that I've been on in the Philippines or South Africa, they're just, everybody is so loving and this isn't a vacation for them this is their daily life it's not just two weeks like for us we go we serve and we come home to our comfortable places um but one of the questions that was asked was when was the last time you shared your faith with a complete stranger I was like oh well I get nervous and I made all these excuses um but it revealed a lot of character insecurities in me because I put limitations on my faith um and I would justify saying, oh, well, I shared my faith with my coworker about this. And it's like, yeah, but what about a complete stranger? Um, so they emphasized having 20 seconds of crazy, stupid courage. Um, and don't keep quiet because the Holy Spirit will give you words. And sometimes people ask me questions and I'm like, I don't know, but let me get back to you. I'd go home or like even there, just Google it or give them a, the Bible project um, YouTube that answers a lot of questions. Um, but what I saw there is there's a leper community in India, a really big one, and um, um, Ian, one of uh, the people that helps lead Hope Worldwide out in India, he mentioned that Christ didn't need to touch the leper to heal him, but he did, just to show him that he cared. And um, in Mark 6, 11, it says, if you're, well, pretty much in a nutshell, if you're not welcomed somewhere, just shake the dust off your sandals and move on to the next place. And yeah, oh, and another thing that they brought up was the importance of um, reaching out with love and not with the Bible. So when somebody, you're talking to somebody, express your love for them and don't be like, do you want to study the Bible? Because sometimes it's like, I mean, even for me, when somebody asked me if I wanted to study the Bible, I thought I'd have to read the entire Bible. I thought it was going to be a class. I was like, I don't know if I have time for this. And I didn't realize it was just like conversation and hang out with people. Um, so the focus, if the focus is on results, um, then the results being like studies or baptism, then it's going to fail because you're not working on building that relationship. So Ian also mentioned, I don't want you to judge. Oh, no, he was saying how um, I don't want to judge who you are. I want you over for dinner. Just no agenda, just building those relationships. And that was really important because I feel like sometimes I can put the pressure on myself of, how many people am I in Bible studies with there? You know, and it's like a number instead of building those relationships. Yeah, so, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. And I think it, um, that last part really resonated with me, just um, not having, not necessarily having an agenda or expectations, but just loving people. It's, uh, you know, you, you look at Jesus and his disciples, they were often around a table yeah. just sharing life together, but they were also growing together and 
So I appreciate that. Um, if you guys, uh, if you guys are interested in going on any of the trips uh, with Hope Worldwide, talk to Christine. She, she, I'm sure she will encourage you and spur you on to do that. Um, the the sites for next year were actually just released for 2019 for our Hope Worldwide uh, service projects. So you can go to Hope Worldwide uh, website. But we're going to say a prayer for our offering this week. And, you know, just looking in Acts at the church and how, how they had everything in common. I mean, that's what, that's what God is calling us to do with everything we have, whether it's finances, whether it's time, resources, a talent that we have to give to one another. Uh, so we're going to take an opportunity to, uh, to give right now. Uh, let's say a prayer. God, we thank you for this time. I'm really grateful for what Christine shared and uh, just the experiences that you have uh, allowed her to have around the world. Um, God, thank you for the heart that she has for the mission field and for uh, just meeting needs uh, uh, wherever they may be, whether whether they're local or global. I pray that you would put on our hearts the uh, just the conviction and and uh, the decision to love one another. Not to uh, judge one another or criticize one another or those that we come in contact with, but just to love them and to, you know, to find out what you're doing in their life. God, help us to see what you're doing in our community and to uh, join you in that. God, I pray that you would use this offering right now uh, to impact lives and to, um, that, that people would feel your love through it. Uh, we love you, Lord. Uh, thank you for this time together. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.